ready to take a ride, grab your coffee, and strap yourself in. If you listen, I can hear God's plan. Because the show is about to begin. You're listening, you're listening to the Omega Man Radio Network. Welcome back. So you're doing okay? You're sounding great. Yes, sir. I'm doing okay today. Uh, family is much improved, so thank you, Jesus, and for that. Your... Uh, Amen. I wanted to share something with you. I had a yes. dream last night, a very vivid dream. It seemed like I was in a movie. Wow. I dreamt, I dreamt I was in I was in the Second World War and I was in Nazi Germany in Berlin. Whoa. And I had gone there to save a Jewish girl to get her out the country. She had false papers and false ID. And a Gestapo man... Uh, found out about us and he came after came after us and we was in this house and he said these words to me I will make the star of David bow before me whoa and I, and I said that will never happen anyway he attacked me he attacked me he was typical Nazi the way they used to look in the in the forties and he attacked me and we had a terrible fight and I was telling the girl to get out and run anyway he kept attacking me and I managed to turn him over and I turned him on his stomach and I stabbed him to death through the shoulder blades yes and I woke up and it, that was the dream wow and it, was, and it was like I was in one of those great second world war films you could see everything around was so vivid and so real Nothing was hazy or... But he said these words to me. I will make the star of David bow before him. Now, I'm convinced that was Satan. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm Enemy hates Israel. They hate the Jewish people. Do you think that that yes. could be a, a prophetic dream, uh, maybe indicating a, a coming attack on Israel? Well, I know that... I'm a bit confused with it all because I've noticed Israel at the moment they've started attacking Christians in Israel and uh, I saw a video of a load of uh, Christians who went there and they was on the Temple Mount and they wasn't allowed access and there was these uh, I've, what you call them the Jews with all the uh, rings on their hair you know the, the rings that go down I think the uh, ring curls Hasidic. are they called Hasidic? I think it's Hasidic Jews. I know the one you're talking yeah, well, about where the curls go down, right? Yeah, yeah. And they were saying to these Christians, we don't want you here, we don't want your religion, leave now. And I've been reading that churches have been vandalized and attacked by real fundamentalist, uh, uh, you know, Jews. So I don't quite know what's happening. There's, some, there's something obviously going to happen. But I can only talk about, you see... I got cursed by a woman recently, you know. I got cursed in the church by a woman who didn't like what I said. Oh. I was talking I was talking about the nations that fought with the Germans in the Second World War right. and how a lot of these nations manned concentration camps and that on behalf of the Nazis. And her nation was one of those countries I was talking about and she got angry with me. And uh, all this can be, if you read the Holocaust in Wikipedia, Wikipedia, it tells you all the nations and all the peoples that uh, made agreements with the Nazis. Sure. And her nation was one. And she come up and started cursing me at the front of the church. Anyway, I, I ordered the elder of the church to escort her 
outside but he basically took her side and I caught the man uh, well he admitted to me that he checked on Wikidemia to see if I was telling the truth and then he realised I was telling the truth yes, so I had a bit of hard time so we sent this woman a letter telling her not to come back to church no more you know and I was praying about the holocaust and praying about persecution of the Jews and other races yes, and sir. she took it bad so you know the funny thing is about the war was 70 years ago but these people still hold their hatred you know Absolutely. they still hold them you know brother Michael uh, there were concentration camps all over Europe I know uh, a lot of them in Poland of course in Germany and uh, yeah no question about the Holocaust uh, was meant by Satan to try to wipe the Jewish people off the face of the earth. And uh, sadly, we still have a spirit of Adolf Hitler in many people. Yes, out we there. do. And some yeah, of the this churches. woman, this yeah, this woman was like that. Well, you see, the Holy Spirit told me years ago that it was Satan's attempt to wipe out all the Jews in Europe. Yes. And then to try and bring influence in the United States, because there was a lot of people in the United States were anti-Semitic, a lot anti-Semitic, a lot of politicians, big time, and to and try and bring pressure against the Jews in America. And this solely was to wipe them off from the face of the earth to try and stop the return of Christ. That Absolutely. was his aim. Absolutely, you know, and uh, many in the government in America <clears throat> did not want. Israel to return to the land and have the Jewish state again. Um, and actually, there's a, a very sad moment in American history where a whole ship of people who had fled Nazi Germany and coming to America for refuge uh, was turned back. And all those people were taken captive again and murdered by the, yeah, they the tried Nazis. To- they, they tried to land in Cuba, didn't they, as well? They, they, I think they tried to land in Cuba, but they was rejected from Cuba as well. And that wasn't the last of the persecution. You know, uh, fast forward, no. when Israel's back in the land and the Arabs came in and surrounded it and uh, went to attack Israel multiple times. What, in, uh, in uh, I know, the uh, 72 war, and there was one in uh, 68, I think. I, I got to go back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Multiple times they were attacked, and um, America uh, wasn't quick to lend any help. In fact, even Britain was against them. Uh, yeah, Britain was against them. Britain was Britain arming. was frightened of their oil supply. And Britain were was frightened of their oil supply. Some of the Arabs, and so Israel was on its own. And then. Um, God, uh, 1973 was one of the big ones. That just came to me. 1963, 48. Yeah. And there was another one. Again, in the 80s. But, you know, God came in with a mighty hand and delivered Israel, even sent his angels to appear to the Arab forces that were coming in there with their tanks. And, you know, gave them a mighty deliverance. Uh, Sadly, though, my final point here is we've got people in the church today that hate Israel. They may not say I hate Israel, but they say I hate Zion and I don't believe that Israel is supposed to have the land. What do you mean saying that you have the right to preempt God and tell God what he can do to his land when he already made a covenant with Abraham, Isaac, uh, the child of promise, and Joseph of the 12 tribes to give them that land as an inheritance forever? 
And we got people saying, well, God doesn't have a right to do what he wants to do with his land. We want to give it to the Palestinians or this group. I want to say something. Anybody who stands against Israel, God will stand against you. Genesis 12 yes. says, if you bless my people, I'll bless you. If you curse my people, I'll curse you. And those that want to try to disenfranchise Israel from the land that God gave them and give it to another, you will find your place in hell. And you will come under the curse of the living God. Amen. Uh, uh, and, you know, God loves Zion. Zion's not a, a dirty word. We got a lot of people that use that negatively. Zion is God's holy mountain. Jesus Christ Amen. is going to come back and rule and reign from Mount Zion. We need to embrace the Jewish people because yes. uh, through them, the gospel was made available to the Gentiles. And through Christ, yes. Jew and Gentile believers in the Messiah, Jesus Christ, we become one uh, commonwealth. And uh, if you don't love the Jewish people in Israel, well, then you're not going to want to be there when Jesus comes back for the millennial reign. Where are you going to be then? You'll be in hell. God will yes, turn you away. Yes, exactly. Now, but I'm not saying that, that Israel, Brother Michael, always makes the right decisions. You know, there's bad politicians like there is in America, Europe, UK, etc. Okay? But I love Israel and the Jewish people unconditionally. And I believe they have a right to every square inch of the land that God gave them. And uh, we need to support them because about 99% of the United Nations is against them, Brother Michael. Yes, they are. That's exactly right. I've been for them all my life. When I left school at 15, I worked in a tailor's. And uh, I worked there for a year or so, and they were nearly all Jews there uh, who worked there. And uh, I learned a lot about the Jewish people, and I've studied a lot about the Jewish people. And most people think I'm Jewish because they say I look like a Jew. And uh, many people have mistaken me for a Jew. But this dream I had was so vivid. It was so vivid. It was unbelievable. It was like a Second War, World War war film. And, you know, when I killed this uh, this Nazi, yes. who, I killed him because he attacked me most violently and I wrestled him to the floor, turned him over. And as I said, I stuck a knife through his shoulder blades and killed him. And it, those words were chilling to me. I will make the star of David bow before me, he said. Now, I sat up and thought about this. Who was this I was fighting? And I realized it must be Satan. It had to be. Demonic force. Yeah. And, you know, uh, even Russia today has aspirations, as many nations do, to overrun Israel. And if we look at the the prophecy, it's going to happen at some point. And uh, those that are there are going to have to flee to Petra. Yes, well, they... The Gog and Magog, it says about Gog and Magog in the Bible, and Russia have made a claim for the Church of the Holy Sepulchre. Right. Which is, they've made a claim for that church. There is a Russian Orthodox section, as there is a Greek Orthodox section, I think a Syrian Orthodox section. In that large church, there's all different sections of Orthodox churches. And Russia, I've, I've heard Putin say, he's claiming that church for Russia. I will tell you something. Our uh, past president, Donald Trump, who I voted for twice, I think he was the best president we've had in a very long time. Now, he was not perfect. He made some big mistakes, too. But one thing I will always be grateful for is the fact that he recognized Jerusalem as the eternal capital of Israel. Long overdue. Amen. Uh, It should have been done 50 years ago. 
but he's the first one to head backbone to do it. And uh, praise God for that and for the Jewish people. We need to stand with Israel because the world is standing against him literally to destroy it. And uh, yeah, there may be some Christian persecution going on. Well, that goes with the territory. We have to look beyond their faults and see their needs. And there's a lot of Jewish people that need Jesus Christ because there's only one way the Father for Jew or Gentile, and that's Jesus Christ, Yeshua HaMashiach. So we turn the other cheek. We love them, but we uh, need to stand with them because most of the world has thrown Israel under the bus. It could care less about what the Word of God says. And, uh, you know, that's our brothers and sisters over there. Uh, Natural branches grafted in with the wild branch into Jesus Christ. Uh, Amen. Thank you for sharing that dream. You know, some of mine have been pretty graphic, too, and... uh, when I'm fighting these demons, I usually cut their head right off or stab them. But uh, <laughs> I feel I feel you, man. Yeah. That that was pretty graphic. You saw it in color too. Uh, amazing, uh, brother Michael yeah, Cummings, incredible. live with us tonight. I've got a gap between this show and the next one, so you got you got a full hour, uh, whatever time you'd like Amen. tonight, and we'll get started, folks. Welcome, Pastor Michael Cummings in the house, brother Michael. What part of England are you from? I'm from a, a a place, well, I live in a place called Chesington in Surrey. It's about 10 mile outside central London. And uh, where is your church located currently? In that area? Uh, no, it's right over in northwest London, a place called Kilburn. It's uh, a famous area in London, known for its large Irish population. And... Uh, that's where it is, Kilburn. It's northwest London, London Northwest Six. How do people uh, find your church online? Do you have a website you can give out? Yes, I do. If you look for Kilburn Christian Fellowship, you will find all the details. There's about eighty preachings I've done already on deliverance and other subjects, and you all can also find transport links from the mainline stations, Victoria, and you can find local bus links and tube links. So it's very easy to find it. Okay, fantastic. We'll give that information out again, brother Michael. I'm excited to be here with you. Uh, what a uh, awesome time we have every time with you. And I want to thank uh, Sister Maria for introducing us a year ago. And uh, we are blessed. You know, we've lost many of our speakers over the years on this program. And I said, Lord, what are we going to do? And the Lord is replacing them with more great men and women of God like yourself. So I'm honored to be with you. And the microphone is yours. You want to open us in prayer? Yes, certainly. Dear Lord God, we thank you for all that you're doing for the world today. Lord, we pray for Israel, and we pray that Israel will no longer be looked upon as a pariah in world politics, that people will understand, especially Christians in every nation in the world, that Christians have to stand with Israel before the return of our Lord Jesus Christ. So we pray today, as we continue to prepare people in teaching for the second coming of our Lord, that you will be with them today and you will open their minds and renew their minds now as they wait in anticipation for the return of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Take it away, my friend, all the time you want. Thank you very much. Well, hello, it's good to be with you yet again. We've got a different subject today. I'm going to ask you this question, and we're going to examine certain things. 
are you a lukewarm Christian? You know, I've uh, something I've thought about for an awful long time, and I'm going to read a scripture from the book of Revelation, and it's Revelation 3, verses 14 to 17. And you will then understand what Jesus thinks about lukewarm Christians. And unto the angel of the church of Laodiceans write, These things saith the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I know thy works, that thou art neither cold nor hot. I would thou wert cold or hot. So then because thou art lukewarm, and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. Because thou sayest, thou sayest, I am rich and increased with goods, and have need of nothing, and knowest not that thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. This examine, speaking to the church of Laodicea, are you hot or are you cold? You see, when you're freezing cold and you're ice cold, you can be warmed up by the word of God. You can be warmed up by the power of the Holy Spirit. And if you're hot, you're hot. You're moving forward, doing the things Jesus called you to do. But if you're lukewarm, you're very much in the middle of the road. You go to church every week. You sit in churches, you believe the message of the gospel, but you're not really sold out to Jesus. And you're not engaged in his mission for mankind. Some of you might say, well, what is the mission for mankind that Jesus spoke about? Let's have a look at Mark 16, verses 15 to 20. And he said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. And these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name shall they cast out devils, they shall speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents, and if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. So then after the Lord had spoken unto them, he was received up into heaven and sat on the right hand of God. And they went forth and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them and confirming the word with signs following. Amen. You see, we've been called. When we become born again and when we become a child of God, we're not expected to sit in a church every Sunday, have a cup of coffee and a couple of biscuits after, then go to a contented life. Many people care more about the value of their home, care more about their pension that they're going to receive, their car, and when they're going to change their car. We are warriors of the army of the Lord. We're supposed to go and spread the gospel now. I know Christians who have been Christians for 30 years and they've never led one single soul to the Lord. 
They've said to me, oh, I'm not very good at talking to people. I tell you the story of Benny Hinn. This is a true story. I heard Benny Hinn say this. When he used to come down for British Columbia in Canada, he used to come with a guy called Jim Poynton. He was a pastor, I think, of the First Presbyterian Church. I'm not quite sure. But he used to come down to see Catherine Kuhlman on the Greyhound bus. And he used to bring a young Benny Hinn with him. Benny Hinn, who had emigrated from Israel uh, to Canada. And they used to take that long journey through the snow and the ice to go to Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, to see Catherine Kuhlman preach. One day, Jim Poynton was there, and Catherine Kuhlman said, that young man, I want you to put him in my choir next time he comes. Now, this is a real problem for Benny Hinn because he had a terrible stutter. And Benny Hinn thought, how am I going to be in the choir and sing if I have a stutter? And lo and behold, next time he came down and Catherine Kuhlman said, put that young man in the choir. And as he went into the choir, the first note came. His tongue opened and his stutter went straight away. So if God has called you to serve him, you've got to be hot. You've got to be burning. You've got to be boiling. You've got to be smoking. Do you remember that old boxer in the 70s? I used to love him. Smoking Joe Frazier. He was smoking because he was always ready to do the business. we got to be ready to do the business. We've got to tell everyone, everyone who rings me for prayer and deliverance, I ask them, are you born again? If they say no, I lead them to the Lord. I say, well, before I pray for you, for that demon to go, for that evil spirit to go, you've got to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Some people don't even tell anyone about Jesus. They may go as far as give out a track in the street. When I give out a track in the street, when I ever do it, I always say, would you like prayer? Is there anyone in your family who would like prayer? You see, we've got to spread the gospel. It goes on to say, and these signs, verse 17, that's Mark 16, verse 17, and these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name shall they cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. Hallelujah, praise the Lord. You know what? Deliverance ministers are not gunslingers that come into town. Anyone who's born again, if the Lord calls him, he must be willing to cast out the demon. Remember, it's not him leaning on his own understanding. It's the power of the Holy Spirit coming upon him. Let me clear up verse 18. They shall take up serpents, and if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. There is an Appalachian church in the Appalachian Mountains in America where they pick up snake handers. They pick up copperheads and rattlesnakes and things like that. We're not called to do that. That's an indication of biblical times, serpents, scorpions, they were very deadly things. And if you got bit or you got stung, you were in a bad way. Most of you died. This is saying that God will protect you from all evil, from all satanic evil. But that's what we're called to do. 
and some people do nothing. Now, there's an indication about lukewarm Christians if we go back to Matthew 25. I'm just coming there now. And it's an awful long scripture. And I'm just going to give you an indication of what we're talking about. I'm not going to read it all because it goes Matthew 25 from 1 and it goes all the way down to 46. And we're not going to read that, but we're going to start off. Matthew 25, verse 1. Then shall the kingdom of heaven be likened unto ten virgins who took their lamps and went forth to meet the bridegroom. And five of them were wise and five were foolish. They that were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them. But the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. When the bridegroom tarried, they all slumbered and slept. And at midnight there was a cry made, Behold, the bridegroom cometh. Go ye out to meet him. Then all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said unto the wise, Give us your oil, for our lamps are gone out. But the wise answered, saying, Not so, lest there be not enough for us and you. But go ye rather to them that sell and buy for yourselves. And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came. And they that were ready went in with him to the marriage, and the door was shut. Afterward came also the other virgins, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered and said, Verily I say unto you, I know you not. And that's an indication of those who are not ready to meet the Lord. You know, many Christians, lukewarm Christians, are happy for life to go on the way it is at the moment. They're happy to live in their homes, to go on holiday, to drive a nice car, to save their money in the bank and live a comfortable life. That's not what God called us to do. And it shows you that these ten virgins, five of them, got no oil. They just slept and they were lazy. They wasn't prepared. They was only thinking of how they could make things comfortable in the present moment, not how to be faithful for their assignment to God. So that tells us they were lukewarm. They were not on fire with the Lord. Had they been on fire for the Lord, they would have had a reserve of oil. Their wicks would have been well prepared that soon as they oil, that they, the oil touched those wicks, that the room lit up. When we have a look at Matthew 25, 14 to 30, it speaks about the wicked servant who considers himself in the employment of his master. He never offered his talents. See, all of us have talents. Verse 22 said, He also had received two talents, came and said, Lord, thou deliverest unto me two talents. Behold, I have gained two other talents beside them. They've invested that money. They've made an increase. But the wicked servant, he buried his talent in the earth. 
buried it. He wanted to give back what he'd been given. He had made no increase at all. That's wickedness. There's different types of wickedness. You see, he was lukewarm. He was lazy. I'm not going to risk investing this talent in case I lose it. And then my master will pick on me. So I'm going to bury it and just give it back. Now, he never stole it. He never gambled it. He never went with prostitutes or took to drink. He just buried it. So when they dug it up, it had made no profit at all. God saw that as wickedness. He was regarded as a wicked servant. He was lukewarm. He wouldn't take any chances. You see, lukewarm Christians never take chances. You can say to a lukewarm Christian, would you like to lead the church in prayer today? And they'd rather not. They're happy to sit there. They're happy with their contentment. Now, the third part of Matthew 25 is verses 31 to 46. The goats are shocked. They've been rejected by Jesus. They thought they were faithfully serving him. But when it came for pouring out themselves for God's people, they wasn't engaged at all. People were happy with their own lot. Jesus says, he, he tells them that they've got to help those who are hungry. They've got to go out and they've got to help those who are wanting. You know, I spoke to a guy recently about, there's two charities that I support. One of them is Sight Savers International. These poor kids in Africa, they get flies, bury eggs in their eyes and those eyes itch and they scratch and their eyelids grow inside and eventually it causes cataracts and they lose their sight. In Africa, it costs £15 to do a cataract operation and every time I give £15, a child gets his sight restored. I've had people say, man, I don't give money to charity. All these people at the very top earn vast salaries and all the people who man the phones at these charities, they're all earning commission and they're all doing this, they're all doing that. And I always say to those people, well, does that mean you don't give? Does that mean you won't do anything to help these kids who are going blind? I met a man years ago, a man from Ghana, and he used to organize plumbers from England who used to go out to Africa. And they used to dig wells and they used to put running water on. How many children die of diseased water in Africa and India and other places? And he used to get plumbers out there. I used to be a plumber. If I'd have been a young man, I would surely have wanted to go. And they make this water pure. What a great thing for a child when he gets up in the morning to have cool water to drink to have a shower to soak himself under water to wash they've even built toilets that are actually empowered by the excretion that people make in their loose i love to do that surely children having clean water or people eat, drinking clean water is something everyone must have 
And people say to me, ah, yeah, look at all the expenses. They don't really get the money. There's thousands of villages in Africa now who are running water. There's thousands of children who are getting their eyesight back. But you see, these people don't care about that. Jesus said in verse 42, For I was hungered, and you gave me no meat. I was thirsty, and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger, and you took me not in, naked. And you clothed me not sick and in prison, and you visited me not. Then shall they also answer him, saying, Lord, when saw we thee a hungered, or a thirst, or a stranger, or naked, or sick, or in prison, did not minister unto thee? Then shall he answer them, saying, Verily I say unto you, insomuch as you did not to one of the least of these, you did it not to me. And these shall go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. Jesus said, if you give the least of my people a cup of cold water, then you're doing it for me. And you see, if you're a Christian and you're born again, even if you're poor, Remember what Jesus thought of the widow's might. You know, in the church a couple of years ago, we had a lady who said that we should fast. This lady was very sick. She was fasting also to be healed. She since died. And we introduced a fast in the church. There were some people there who thought they was being punished. Because we asked them to skip a meal. We said, if you want to skip breakfast, have lunch in your evening meal. If you want to skip lunch, just have breakfast in an evening meal. And we wasn't persecuting them at all. People were complaining, oh, I feel hungry. Is this really necessary? And we showed you how these Christians were lukewarm and selfish. Fasting. I like my food. I'm sure you all like your food. I love fish and chips. I could eat it all the time. It's a great delicacy in England. You've got to buy the best, find the best fish and chip shop, but fish and chips are lovely. And yet you have to learn to live without it. You fast because when you fast, you're giving up the flesh and you're living by the spirit, the spirit of God. Lukewarm pe people, lukewarm Christians don't like fasting. They don't like any of these things. Let's have a look now. Is there more than one way to be wicked? Yes, there is. You can be wicked by breaking and or ignoring the Ten Commandments or the Word of God. You can be wicked by failing to invest your life into God's kingdom. The first thing makes you wicked by the sin of commission. The second makes you wicked by the sin of omission. We preach a lot in the Bible and people lift their hands in the air in church and they say, praise the Lord. But are these people really serving God? We must all invest in the kingdom of God. We want to go to eternal life, don't we? 
Hallelujah. In his book, Crazy Love, the author Francis Chang gives a profile of lukewarm Christianity, which you could say comes straight from these parables that we've read about in Matthew 25. These people are all fairly regular in church, but lukewarm Christians don't really want to be saved from their sin. They want only to be saved from the penalty of their sin. God has become a useful escape route for them so they don't go to hell. They employ God to save them from the consequences of their sins. They seldom worship him. Lukewarm Christians are moved by stories of other Christians who are truly anointed, that fight demons, that fight evil spirits, that go up to people in the street and say, you're limping, you've got a bad leg, may I pray for you? But they seldom do it themselves. They make excuses, that's not my calling. I haven't been called to do that. I've been called to pray at home and intercede. You hear that stuff all the time. Surely people are called to pray and intercede, but we're called to do other things as well. Lukewarm Christians, they believe that their lives, which they call sanitized, all right, is actually holiness. They think it's holy not to have a television or listen to the radio or look at a newspaper. Jesus didn't call us to be sanitized. He called us to discipleship, to share with others. If you are his follower, you will not be defined only by avoiding anything risque or sinful, but by entering into the suffering of Christ. Lukewarm Christians rarely share their faith with anybody. I remember a man in our church, I'm not going to mention his name, he may be listening, but he knows who he is. I got to church one Sunday morning and he brought a man in and a man was drinking a cup of tea in the kitchen and I introduced myself and shared, shared my name with him and I said, how you doing, all right? And the man who came said, oh, he wanted a cup of tea, so I made him a cup of tea. So I said, perhaps you'd like to stay for the service. I said, it'd be a great service. Don't finish your tea and go. This man put some music on in the church, some praise and worship music. The man ran out as quick as anything. Now, he obviously thought that was evangelizing. That wasn't evangelizing. Some people think anything is evangelizing. You know, you've got to tell your neighbors. You've got to tell anyone about Christian. That doesn't mean to say you knock on their door and be a nuisance. But all our neighbours will have problems. People we know will have problems. I remember a lady years ago, a car broke down. And it's funny enough, my clutch went just before the bank holiday Monday in England. And I put it in the garage today. And I'm walking about and it's, it's hurting a bit because I've got peripheral neuropathy, damage caused to my uh, nerves in my legs and feet by chemotherapy when I had cancer. And this woman's car wouldn't start, and she said, I've been trying for a week. It was snowy, cold weather. I said, okay. 
So I went over to her house and I anointed her ignition key with oil. I made the sign of the cross with anointing oil and a bonnet. And I sat in that car. It was a little Honda she had. And I sat in that car and I said, in the name of Jesus, nothing mechanical or manufactured by man can disobey you, Lord. If we say you will start this car, you will start this car. Put the ignition in, turn the key, and it started. And it never broke down in the foreseeable future from that day. We have to be prepared to do that. We have to shine our faith out to the world. We have to be bright. And what's the word we have to be? We have to be hot, red hot for the Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Lukewarm Christians think about their comfort on the earth more than they think about eternal life in heaven. A lot of them, I believe, think this is heaven. Dear God, forgive us for thinking such stupidity. We know when Jesus returns, he'll put this world straight and all the evil in the world. Lukewarm Christians love their luxuries. They love their comforts of their life, but they rarely give to the poor in a truly sacrificial way. Lukewarm Christians do not live by faith. They live by a structured life. They organize everything. I've seen this in churches. People who don't pray, people who don't lead anyone to the Lord, but they organize everything. They live this structured lifestyle. If you're not, if you're not in a place where you feel desperate for the Spirit of God, and there's no way you're in the front lines of battle. You need to be in the front line. You need to feel desperately your need for God's help. Lukewarm Christians give God their leftovers, not the first and the best. They have complacency and apathy. Remember Cain and Abel. Abel give God the best. Cain didn't. Cain got jealous of Abel and killed him. Lukewarm Christians have busy things in their life. If there's a midweek prayer meeting urgently, let's call a prayer meeting. One of our brothers is desperately ill in hospital. Let's go there and let's pray. Let's intercede. And ask the Lord to heal him. I would come, but I've got something very busy to do at home. This is a true story. Many, many years ago, I was a member of the Church of England. And the lady in the Church of England was a vicar. Now, a lot of people say, suffer a woman not to preach. Yes, Paul did say that. But this woman was a friend of mine for many years. And one morning, a guy coming off the street, it had been pouring down the rain. He was so wet, he sat in front of me. And as the radiators were on in the church, this man started pouring out steam from his body. I felt so sorry for him. I tapped him on the shoulder and I said, are you all right? 
And he said, I've been an alcoholic and I keep seeing the devil look at me with blood red eyes. I said, okay, look, enjoy the service. Um, we'll do what we can to help you after. He had been homeless. He'd been sleeping in shop doorways. After the service, many people come up to me and said, who's that man? I said, well, he's soaking wet. He's been sleeping in shop doorways. All right. Anyway, afterwards, I was sitting there talking to him. I prayed for him. And everyone said, I'd like to help you with this young gentleman, Michael, but we got a, a dinner meeting. We got guests coming for dinner. Someone said, I'm, a turn, I, I'm actually attending a baptism this afternoon. And before you know it, the whole church went. And I was with this young man. And I said, come on, you come back with me. And I put him in the car. He stunk terrible. And I took him home to my house. I was living in Croydon then in South London. And I said, go and have a hot bath. It'll make you feel good. And he was reluctant. He said, I haven't had a hot bath for a long time. Go and have one. Give us all your clothes in a black bag and chuck it all out. I've got T-shirts, socks and pants. My daughter gave him an anorak to keep him warm. We give him woolly gloves, a couple of pairs, thick socks, a woolen hat. And he said he hadn't had a hot dinner for a long time, but he particularly liked sandwiches. So I did him a big bag of cheese sandwiches, ham sandwiches, and a flask of hot coffee. Now, before we left the church, a man said to me, there is a group of brothers, of monks, near Westminster Abbey in central London, and they will take young men in. And if he's got an alcohol problem or drug problem, they'll get him the help. But he has to work for his keep. He has to do cleaning. He has to peel potatoes. He has to do all these things, and he can stay there for six months. And they said, perhaps you would like to take him up there. And I said to this man, yes, I would. And at the time, I had no road tax on my car. I had no MOT. Yes, I was breaking the law. I was driving a car without car tax or a Ministry of Transport test certificate. Anyway, I said, look, I've got a problem. I can't run you in the centre of London because my car's not up to it. And I said, if the police see me, they'll pull me over and I'll get a mighty fan and penalty points uh, on my licence, a mighty uh, fine, rather, and penalty points on my licence. So, so, but I tell you what, when my father used to be a bus driver, he used to drive on this bus that stops here, the 109. It would take you all the way to Westminster. Now, I'd given him money. I gave him 20 quid. I said, you can't have money, be without money. Here's 20 quid. And we sat there, and he got on the bus. He got on the entrance part of the bus and got off the exit. And I said, you, you can't give up. You've got to fight if you want your life to change. We were there, and all of a sudden, a bus driver came. And as I went to speak to this bus driver, he said to me, don't worry about him. I know where he wants to go. I'll drop him off. And I look with amazement. This man has been sent by God. I believe maybe even the bus driver was an angel. To me, he just looked like a bus driver with a cockney accent. But the man got on and he waved to me as he went down the road. And anyway, we didn't hear anything from him. 
around about six months later, the man who told me about this group of brothers, these monks in London, he came to me and he said, you know that guy who came who was homeless who you took home and fed and give him new clothes? I said, yeah. He said he was seen walking over London Bridge going to work six months later. You see, these monks had straightened him out. They'd got him the medical help he needed to be off of alcohol and he had turned his life around. If you're lukewarm, you can never turn anyone's life around. Never at all. You've got to be willing to fight. You're fighting for Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. When we're lukewarm, we're not striving to maintain a commitment to Jesus Christ. We falter. Now, all of us falter. But this is the question. When you become a Christian, didn't it include a surrender to get engaged in the mission work of God. Have you, everyone listening now, personally engaged in the mission of God? That means more than just going to church or listening to Christian radio or listening to praise and worship music. You've got to be willing to write a check every day for the value God wants you to write on that check. Five hours going down a, uh, a food bank and feeding the hungry. Giving out tracts on a Saturday morning in the high street. These are the things you should be doing. This is deadly serious. Jesus said he would spew us out of his mouth. Now, when you're spewed out, you're being ejected. You're being told you're not wanted any longer. Let's talk about some of the dangers of being lukewarm. Surely it's scary to me to go to Jesus and Jesus spits me out of his mouth and says, I never knew you. But you say, but Lord, I did this, I did that. I never knew you. It's over. The game's up. Jesus makes it clear that the church at Laodicea was a dead church. People see themselves as rich and self-sufficient, but the Lord sees them as wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. Their lukewarm face was hypocritical. Their church was full of unconverted, pretentious Christians. Jesus frequently equates deeds with a person's true spiritual state. By their fruit you shall recognize them. And every good tree brings good fruit. Let's read that now. That's Matthew 7, verses 16 to 17. Let's read that now. Matthew 7, verses 16 to 17. You shall know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes or thorns or figs or thistles? Even so, every good tree bringeth forth good fruit, but a corrupt tree bringeth forth evil fruit. We have to 
move forward. The lukewarm are individuals who claim to know God, but live as though he doesn't exist. They may go to church and practice a form of religion, but their inner being is one of self-righteous complacency. They give you a form of humility, but deep down they're proud. They claim to be Christians, but their hearts are unchanged. In the book of Romans, it says, be no longer conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Their minds are not renewed at all. Being lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, is never spiritually a good thing. If you're on fire for Jesus and you are really feeling zealous for God, then wonderful. If you're really struggling with sin and having a hard time, you have only to repent and go to God and God will forgive you straight away. You mustn't just sit in the middle and be middle of the road and say nothing. Our brothers and sisters, confess your sins to one another that ye may be healed. Confess your sins. Here are some characteristic of lukewarm believers. They don't seem to focus on Christ. They talk about the church, the flowers. They talk about the decorations of the church. They talk about the sandwiches after and the coffee. They talk about a church outing. They talk about all these things, but they're not focused on Christ. They don't always go to a service. You'll find that lukewarm Christians are quite happy to drop a Sunday service if something in the family comes up. Or my niece was being confirmed. Yes, she might be confirmed. You can ring her up and pray for her and bless her, even send her a confirmation card. But that's it. is that a real reason why she should stay away from worshipping Jesus? They are lackadaisical in prayer, in Bible study, and especially in their self-assessment of themselves. They tend to not speak about what that scripture meant to them, how it lifted them up, how they engaged with Jesus. They're not consistent in attendance. If there's midweek prayer meetings or Bible says, they tend not to attend. They once in a while read the word. They don't read the word every day. They don't read it every day. They read it once in a while. Once in a while, they fast and pray. It's not something they do all the time. They never make a penance in giving. Never make a penance. I know people in the church who don't even tithe. You can tell them about the widow's might. I've told someone, they said that they've only got £10 to their name. I said, well, give God... 10% of that, give God a pound, and they don't do it. What they want is God to bless them with a load of money first, then they'll give it to the church or give it to charity. How about that? Lord, give me a hundred pound and I'll give you 10 pound back. That's how they see things. 
many times they indulge in things that they should never really indulge in. They think it's no harm. They may look at lewd programs on the television. These attributes are in many Christians. Being genuine Christians implies that we should pay attention to the things of God and try to follow Christ and his word. One of the greatest disasters and stuns in anyone's life would ever have to be to go to church yet never truly know Jesus Christ. And when we stand before God on the judgment day, he says, depart from me. What a terrible thing. But many people are walking towards that. Walking towards that. Let's have a look at Matthew 7, verses 21 to 23. Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. But he that doeth the will of my Father, which is in heaven, many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied? Have we not prophesied in thy name? Think of that. Have we not prophesied? How many people have you seen prophesy in church? And in thy name have cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works. And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you, depart from me, ye that work iniquity. See, you're going through the motions in church. You're being a Christian, but you're not engaging. My wife was told about someone in the church. She woke up suddenly from her sleep. And my wife was told about someone in the church. And God spoke to my wife and said "I that he loved this man, but he had never called upon God. He had never trusted God. He leaned on his own understanding. Another thing, having the appearance of godliness but denying its power. Having the appearance, lukewarm attitude gives you the appearance of godliness. But you're never truly there. Let's have a look at Second Timothy 3 verse 5. Let's have a look what this says. Having the appearance of godliness denying its power I'm not here to scare people I'm here to shake people out of complacency 2nd Timothy 3 verse 5 having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof from such turn away when we see these people we're supposed to turn away from them the lukewarm Christian has one step in the church and another in the world. One foot in the church and another in the world. He's in the church when he comes to the church. And when he's away from the church, he's in the world. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life. This is lukewarm Christianity. Let's have a look at 1 John 2, 
verse 15. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. I read 16. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. Verse 17 said, And the world passeth away, and the lust thereof. But he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. Self-examination and looking at oneself is a problem to the lukewarm Christian. Unwillingness to examine himself. They always do things. James 1 verse 8 says, Such a man is double-minded, unstable in all his ways. Let's have a look at 2 Corinthians 13 verse 5 and see what it says. Hallelujah. We need to know about all of these things. 2 Corinthians 13. Hallelujah. Verse 5. Examine yourselves, whether you be in the faith. Prove your own selves. Know that ye, not your own selves, how that Jesus Christ is in you, except ye be retrobates. Now, there is such a thing as a retrobate spirit. We all have to make sure we don't have that spirit. It's a spirit of hypocrisy. If it's a spirit that says, I am serving God, but we may hate our fellow man, that's the retrobate spirit. Lukewarmness makes people see no wrong in themselves or wrong in others. I know a situation in a church where a homosexual came through, came forward for baptism. No work was done in his deliverance. No work was done in trying to lead that man to Christ. He was just baptized in the church. The man who baptized him saw no wrong. Saw no wrong at all. In what he had done, he actually defended what he had done. And of course, I pulled him up and asked him why he did this, why the man wasn't taken through the deliverance. After the man was baptized, he went back into that life and eventually died as a young man. He was having a bath one day and he died. Let's look at First Samuel 16, verse 7. But the Lord said unto Samuel, Look not on his countenance or on the height of his stature, because I have refused him. For the Lord seeth not as man seeth, for man looketh on the outward appearance, but the Lord looketh at the man's heart. We should always look at a man's heart. We should examine him. Yes, anyone can be a sinner. I was a dreadful sinner when I was in the world, a dreadful womanizer. I was an alcoholic by the time I was a young man. I did take drugs, but only occasionally. 
and I never thought of God. I was always terrified of God, and I was one of those who used to think, one day I'll come to you, Lord. One day I'll come to you. Just give me a bit more time. When we're lukewarm, we hear stories that a man may have gone with a married woman, and we don't criticize him. We tend to say these things happen. You know, we've got to be right before the Lord. I said to someone recently, no fornicator who is an idolater has any inheritance in the kingdom of God. And I meant it. I was trying to get that person to stop fornicating. And I said, if you die tomorrow, you die as a fornicator. You may live with a woman 20 years. You may have three children. All the time you're not married, you're a fornicator. I said, marriage is something that God gave us. And finally, danger of eternal condemnation. Jesus said, he will vomit us out. He will vomit us out. Let's have a look at Revelation 22. Let's have a look what it says, verses 11 and 12. He that is unjust, let him be unjust still. And he which is filthy, let him be filthy still. And he that is righteous, let him be righteous still. And he that is holy, let him be holy still. And behold, I come quickly, and my reward is with me, to give to every man according as his work shall be. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. Blessed are they that do his commandments, that they may have the right to the tree of life, and may enter in through the gates into the city, for without our dogs and sorcerers, whoremongers and murderers, idolaters, whoever loveth and maketh a lie. I, Jesus, have sent mine angel to testify unto you these things in the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David and the bright and morning star. We want to get into eternal life. We want to be with the Lord forever we mustn't be lukewarm and I speak to all of you now and I ask you to examine yourselves and ask what is lacking in your walk with the Lord John F. Kennedy said in a famous speech ask not what your country can do for you Ask what you can do for your country. God has already done it. He sent his only begotten son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for all mankind so they can be free of their sins. You were saved. You were born again. Don't just sit in a church time wasting. Just passing the time. Get involved. You know, I've had many people and I've said to them, would you like to learn about deliverance? Would you like to come with me and 
do deliverances. I remember once a pastor in a church in Brixton, an area in South London where my family come from originally. And I remember a woman had been cursed by her ex-partner who was trying to get the child off her. And this man had gone to a Haitian voodoo woman and sent a voodoo curse on this woman, and she thought she was going to die. She started losing weight greatly, getting thinner and thinner every time. And I said, I'm going to come round your house and break these curses tonight. The pastor who was there, and he wore a dog collar. He wore all the gear. I always wore a suit and a collar and tie, but he always wore all the gear. And he came down to see this woman, and he said, I better come with you. I am the pastor. So I said, of course you can come. We went to see this woman's house and she manifested very badly and she pulled the curtain rail off the wall. He ran out. He was scared. He said, I'm going to run before it jumps into me, he said. I'm going to get out of here. And he ran straight away. Anyway, I ended up doing the deliverance. The woman was set free and she got well again. Times people have said to me, I would love to do what you do. I do nothing. I just appear. I just go. I just go in the name of Jesus Christ. I did a deliverance on Sunday. Afternoon after church, I did another deliverance today. And I'm going to exercise a house next week which is being attacked by witchcraft spirits because there's a witch's coven in the area. I go where God sends me. He does all the work. He is the deliverer. He is the healer. He is the sanctifier. I do nothing. I just make myself available. Start making yourself available today. Go up to your church and ask what you can do. And you don't want to help with the washing up. You don't want to help with the cleaning. You want to get involved in ministry. It's not daunting. We're the army of the Lord. And every day we should be marching into battle to defeat the works of Satan. Hope you enjoyed this teaching. I'm trying to put together... A teaching on the mark of the beast. I don't know if it will be finished in time for next week. But I say God bless you all today. Thank you for listening. I don't know if I've allotted the full time. I hope oh, I have. You did a great job today. Amen. Let me see what we titled this program for today. Stand by. Are you a lukewarm Christian? Is that correct? That's correct. Thank you. You did a fantastic job today, Brother Michael. Uh, Folks, help us by sharing this program with everybody you can. That's how we get word out and we get new listeners to come out here. And uh, I also want to encourage you to help and bless the ministry of Brother Michael Cummins. Uh, Brother Michael, how can people give to support your ministry? How can they make contact with you? Well, you can make contact to me on my uh Email, it's frame, F-R-A-M-E, Cummins, C-U-M-M-I-N-S, 123 at AOL.com. There's also a PayPal account on that email address. Uh, you can also listen to the teaching at 
Kilburn Christian Fellowship, I've got about five years worth of teachings. Many of them are similar things that I've uh, taught on Omega Man Radio, but you can always contact me. I'm always happy to pray for you. If you go to my email address, you'll find my Skype address if you want help. Uh, But uh, the most important thing is that you tell others about Jesus Christ. There's more than one way to evangelize. Tell others about Jesus Christ. Spread the word of eternal life. Amen. Folks, I'll have this uploaded pretty quickly. I'll send you a copy, Brother Michael. One more time. Thank uh, give you. Me, uh, give me your email address again, please. Frame, F-R-A-M-E, Cummins, C-U-M-M-I-N-S, 123 at AOL.com. And again, that doubles as a PayPal, so if you'd like support Brother Michael's ministry, yes. give via that PayPal right there. And I encourage people to do it. I know God will bless you. Uh, my friend, Amen. an honor to be here with you today. We'll see you next week. I've really enjoyed myself today. I really feel lifted, and I feel on fire for the Lord. Amen. So I hope all the listeners feel equally on fire for the Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. God bless you, my brother. Love you, brother. And uh, we'll see you soon. God bless you. God bless. Amen. God bless. Bye-bye.